Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. All the time. I'll try something here that we normally say. But I'll say it in, in Afrikaans, then you respond in English. <laughs> Forgive me if I miss it. It's nice to be here. You say Gumnandu Gubala. It's nice to be here. Gumnandu Gubala. Let me try it. That's lekker om hier te wees. Did I get it right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I was told by Natalie that um, all the mothers, if your toddler gives you problems like ours normally does, <laughs> there's a foyer. The foyer is available for you to go there. You can also listen um, to the sermon um, as you go there. If you could turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7 from verse 9 to 12. Revelation 7 from verse 9 to 12. I think what we're seeing happening here this morning, it just takes the word exciting and it really gives it its true meaning. This is what is truly, truly exciting. What, what, a, what a joy, man. What a wonderful privilege to see everybody here gathered for nothing else but to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Revelation 7 verse 9 to 12. If you have it, please say amen. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the thrones and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshipped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Baba. This morning, we recognize, Lord, that as the brother was saying, that only God could pull this off. Only God is big enough to draw men from every nation, from every tongue, from every people's groups and bring them together under one banner. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so humbled to know you. We are so grateful that we know you, the one who's the great unifier, the one, O oh God, who died for us so that we can come together on no other basis but the fact that we were sinners and we know you, Jesus. So we thank you this morning for what we see here. And we ask and we pray that this picture, O oh God, that, that we see here is a reflection of what is happening in heaven. I pray that we will continually, not just in these walls, but even as we leave, that we continually to live up and to practice and to, to actually show the world what Jesus is all about. And so we ask now, even as we get into your word, that you will be exalted and that we will all live here saying, truly, truly, God is faithful. God is great. Amen. 
And so as I was saying, that gathering together like this is, is really, really, really exciting. Even as I look at just around the room, it's almost like a picture of what we see is happening um, in heaven. And it's especially exciting because of what we see happening in our country. I think if we can all agree that outside of Jesus, outside of us knowing God, outside of these walls right here, there's really not that much to be excited about, is there? I mean, thank God that we can enjoy a braai, we can go to nature reserves, and we can have fun together. But if we were to take just a step back and, and take a grand standpoint of view and look at the macro issues that are happening in our country, I think we'd get discouraged pretty quickly, even depressed, as we see the course that our country is taking. If you follow the news, you'll quickly find that the systems that we have relied upon as a country are letting us down. Our economy, even the worldwide economy, is volatile. It's changing quickly. You can no longer rely on the stability of the systems to keep us going. In fact, there's even a strong possibility that our rand, our currency, will be downgraded to junk status by the end of this year. Food prices are an all-time high. I mean, who would have thought 10 years ago that you would actually be buying bread for close to like 14 to 15 rand? Like, we would never have thought of that, right? Our country is in a leadership crisis, needing leaders who have a moral backbone, leaders that can take this country forward. Socially, we're experiencing all kinds of strikes. We're experiencing all kinds of strikes for service delivery. The mining sector is losing jobs. The educational sector is up in arms. We're experiencing all kinds of famine in other provinces of the country. I think if I was to compare our country to a marriage relationship, I would say for about 10 to 15 years, we were like in a honeymoon. And it's almost like we're now waking up to the reality like, oh my goodness, this is what democracy is about. We are now seeing how difficult, we're seeing how inconvenient, we're seeing how personal the problems of our country are hitting us. If it wasn't for Jesus and love for our cities, I think we'd be ready for a divorce run about now. But fortunately, fortunately for us who know Jesus, that is not our reality. Amen? Our lives are not controlled by what we see on ENCA. Our lives are not controlled by what we read on ENCN7. Our lives are not controlled by what we hear on SABC. Our lives are not controlled by what politicians are saying. As Christians, we get our cue not from media or from culture. We get our cue from the master of the universe. We get our cue from the captains of all captains. We get our cue from the maker of history. So though we can get discouraged, but we can never ever give up. One big reason is not just that we know Jesus, but another reason why we can never give up is because we pretty much know how this movie is going to end. Jesus tells John something a movie producer would never do to their audience. Jesus tells John how the end is going to come. Look at Revelation 1.1. He says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his born servants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bond servant, John. So in the text that we have read, we have the privilege of seeing the picture of what is happening in heaven. 
and what will happen later when all the people of the earth, all the people that Jesus died for are gathered together. Yes, our country and the world might currently be in turmoil. Yes, there might be nothing to be excited about in this world. But friends, this is something to be excited about. This is something to be truly excited about. This picture here, here we see, it gives us confidence. Like that movie producer who knows how the movie is going to end. No matter what happens, like we know that at the end, our Savior wins. Our Savior wins. You know how frustrating it is to watch a movie with somebody who's already seen it, right? Like you're sitting there all anxious, worried, and the guy is coming as if he's going to kill the girl in the shower. And the guy is sitting there like, nah, man, don't worry. The alarm is going to go off. Girl's not going to die. Like, you, you all relax because you have seen the movie before, right? And so that's the privilege that we have here. At the end, Jesus' purpose. At the end, Jesus' will. At the end, his plans will be fulfilled just as he said it would. And what you are seeing here this morning is a glimpse of what is happening in heaven. So, let's just escape a bit from what we sing around the world. We're going to see about two realities of the heavenly church that should be true of us today. Two realities of the heavenly church that should be true of us today. Firstly, what we see here in the text that we've read, that it's a multi-ethnic church. It's a multi-ethnic church. Look at verse 9. After these things, I looked and behold... A great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. Now, one of the consequences of the fall is that as humans, we began to find our identity not in God anymore, but we began to find it in each other. Where else we're supposed to see each other as image bearers of God. And those differences that we have amongst us were supposed to be laid bare before the great God. But unfortunately, because of the fall, that's not the case anymore. And so we are divided. We are divided. We divided racially. We divided economically. We divided culturally. We divided linguistically. We also grouped ourselves based on whatever common factor that we have amongst us. In fact, our world system is designed for division. Like there's certain places that, you know, like in the bank, if you earn a certain amount of money, you get, you get a gold credit card, right? Right? If you earn a certain amount of money, you get a platinum credit card, right? Even in, when you're booking for tickets, there's a place for business class. There's a place for economic class. And so our world is divided in such a way. The reality of the matter is that we also divide it linguistically. It's common to find places uh, where people speak a certain language, places that are there for Sutu people, places that are there for Zulu-speaking people, places that are there for Kosa-speaking people. Even in the States, you have places that are there for Latinos only or for Chinese-speaking only. I don't know much about English and Afrikaans culture, but I'm pretty sure there's also divisions in that. The differences in these, all these things is not to say that they are wrong. All of us should speak the same language. All of us should practice the same culture. No, it is to say that what the fall did was to make all those factors the center of worship. 
what the fall did was to make all those centers the center of division. So that instead of these being servants, they became our masters. And we bowed down to them. We bowed down to culture. We bowed down to language. We bowed down to privilege. But what Jesus does here, it's amazing. He moves the limelight away from the individual culture himself. Sorry, individual culture itself. And he moves the limelight to himself. This is what I love about the picture that we see here. They are standing before the throne and before the Lamb. What is the center stage is not one culture over another. What is the center stage is not one language over another. The person who is the celebrity is Jesus. Jesus trumps whatever differences in culture. He trumps all of that so that yours and my culture is not the end in itself, but it is the means to an end. Diversity has then the subordinate role of showing the multifaceted creativity of God. This is what Brian Lawrence is saying. Brian Lawrence says this, ethnic differences must always be relegated to the cross. And so you hear that, you're like, oh, but that, what does it mean? That I have to give up my culture because of Jesus. I have to, uh, we, have to all, we have to all speak the same language. We have to all like the same things. So he continues. This does not mean that we follow a colorblind ethic. That is, we see everybody's the same and there's no diversity, there's no differences. It says, this does not mean that we follow a colorblind ethic. Multi-ethnicity is not liberalism. Liberalism celebrates multi-ethnicity as an end in itself. Biblical multi-ethnicity celebrates it as a means to an end. What is the end? The end is that ultimately Jesus receiving glory for saving every people from every nation and every tongue. Only Jesus makes the playing fields equal. Like nobody's there in heaven because they prayed a bribe or they were able to get Jesus' cell phone number and they got a better deal. Like, <laughs> like uh, you don't find that. You don't get to stand before the throne because you hold a platinum credit card in salvation whilst everybody else holds a, you know, a gold credit card. No. You might have died having lots of money, and that's fine. But at the throne, we are there because we share one thing in common. We are all sinners, and we are saved by a merciful God. Jesus is the sole center of attraction in heaven. You, as an Englishman, will be standing there in your English self, worshiping Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's like, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be worshiping there. You as an Afrikaans person will be there in your African self, worshiping Jesus Christ. Me as a Zulu person, I'll be there, worshiping Jesus Christ in the fullness of my culture. We'll probably bring some dancing, uh, you know, we're not gonna be as conservative as you are. Y'all are very conservative. And so, uh, we'll be, let's all dance together. We'll, we'll teach dancing lessons in heaven. Uh, the point is, in our individual cultural differences, we will worship Jesus. Those, unfortunately, who do not know Jesus struggle to get this right. They struggle to get diversity right. The differences in them, they are caused to exalt one person over the other. They are caused to exalt one cultural practice over the other. And as much as they can try, unfortunately, it's not going to last. You can, invite, you can unite around an event 
and everybody thinks they're happy. We want big rainbow nation, but soon all the rainbow colors are going to go back and they're going to remain what they are. We need something else to unite us. We need somebody who's got no axe to grind. We need somebody who's from a different species from us. We need somebody who's, who's powerful enough that they don't need us, but they are low enough that they want to engage us. That can only be one person, and that person is Jesus. In Revelation 5, when John hears the angel proclaiming with a loud voice, he said, who is worthy to open the book and to look into it? And it says that no one was found worthy to open this book. And then Revelation 5, 5, as John was weeping, one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. So in light of this reality of multi-ethnic church that is in heaven, let's affirm each other in Jesus. Let's affirm each other in Jesus. The picture that you see here is that different kinds of people are standing, worshiping together like we are today. But unfortunately, we're not going to live our lives in these walls, right? We are going to go out and we are going to our different places of work, our different places where we're staying together. And so it's important that we are intentional in getting involved in each other's lives. We had a wonderful time this past uh, week at our group, at our city group. One of the guys was just sharing to us that they went climb climbing. They were just telling us what they did the previous weekend, that they went to climb trees. And immediately all the black guys are like, wow. (laughs) Climb trees. Like something that I did when I was a kid, like, it's just, it's just, and so he began to tell us that there was, there was a, this tree that's the tallest indigenous tree that's in Venda, very tall, and, and, and he was there, and they wanted to climb the tree, a group of guys wanted to climb the tree, and so as they were about to climb the tree, he was amazed as he looked at the locals, like, are you guys aware that this is like the tallest indigenous tree that is here, and they, he said they looked at him like, can we go play soccer now? Uh, like, like black people wouldn't, I know I'm generalizing, but that's just generally not enough. We don't go and, and, and swim with sharks, you know. Uh, we don't go and fight with bears and stuff. We don't go climb mountains. Like, what am I doing? What am I trying to prove? Uh, that's not to, to condemn you, but it's to say that we are different in how we look at life. And so I could never have known that about him if we didn't spend time together beyond uh, the office, beyond uh, uh, just a working relationship. And so vice versa, there's a lot of assumptions that many of you might have regarding people in the townships or people from different cultures that, not, that might or might not be true. And so when we're intentional about pursuing each other in Jesus, it not only dispels all those myths about each other, but it reveals to us that we are all broken. We are in need of a porter to fix us. We begin to realize that no person, no group is superior than another because of their culture. No person is superior to another because of their language. No person is superior to another because of their history. In Jesus, all of us, white, black, Indian, colored, the only thing that we bring to the table is sin. But Jesus takes us as messed up as we are and he makes something beautiful in all of us. And I believe the world will take notice as they see how genuinely 
we love one another. Not only is it a multi-ethnic church, but you also see that it's a God-centered church. It's a God-centered church. Look at verse 10. And they cry with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That, that is another telling reality of heaven. It just seems so obvious, but I think it's something that we need to remind ourselves. But in heaven, everybody is focusing on Jesus. Everybody is attracted to God and to Jesus. Revelation chapter 4 verse 8, they're worshipping for his holiness. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around within and day and night. They do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Not only do they worship God for his holiness, but they worship Jesus for his work on the cross. Revelations 5 verse 9. Worthy are you, are you to take the book, to break its seals. For you were slain and did purchase for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, and people, and a nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God. They will reign upon the earth. Verse 13, and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Revelations 15 verse 3 to 4, they still impress with Jesus. They will not get over who Jesus is. Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty, righteous and true are your ways, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. As soon as our gathering together as a church becomes something else either than worshiping Jesus, we cease to become the heavenly church. We become a social club. They're worshiping and they're saying, salvation belongs to our God. That is comforting to know. Because the whole point of the mission of the church is to what? To make disciples, right? We are called to make disciples. And you know sometimes how discouraging it is for you. When you're going out to share the gospel and you really want somebody to know Jesus. But unfortunately they are worshiping other things and they have other idols in their hearts. And sometimes you can think to yourself... Does salvation really belong to our God? Is, is it still really in the business of saving people? It, it just seems like when we look around, it's just so hard and God is losing. But the picture that we have here of heaven assures us that God will have those people that Christ purchased on the cross. Hallelujah. The picture assures us that God will be vindicated. That even though it looks like God might be losing right now from our own individual perspective, but actually God is still saving people. And we might not see the fruits of it right now when we get to heaven, but when you look around us, we will join and say, salvation belongs to our God. That even though ISIS and Islam seem like they are winning right now, it seems like Jesus is losing, but at the end, everyone will say, salvation belongs to our God. It's just a few promises that reminds us that this is true. You hear Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 16 say this, and, I have, and this, is, this, is, this is like me preaching to myself even as we go out to plant in my melody. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, 
And they shall hear my voice, Jesus says. They shall become one flock with one shepherd. That's the confidence that we go out with, knowing that our Lord promised us this. And we know that this is true. This, this picture tells us that Jesus actually pulled it off. It tells us that he actually pulled it off. He saved people from every tribe, from every tongue, and they are now gathered together before the throne and they are worshiping him. Not just faithful, not, not is only Jesus faithful on a global scale, but even personally. In Jude 1, verse, uh, Jude, Jude 1, verse 24 to 25, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. For the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Those of you who know Jesus can testify to this this morning. You'd be like, you know what? I keep on stumbling. And at times, I feel like giving up on my journey. But Jesus just will not give up on us, does he? He just will not give up on us. He works in us both to will and to desire. You wonder, how did I make it through that temptation? How did I make it through that trial? I thought God was going to give up on me. But he keeps on pursuing us, doesn't he? And so when we stand there with all the saints, we will say salvation belongs to our God. Not just because we see around us and we see people from every tribe. But we will say that because he continued the work of salvation in our lives and he finished it like he promised. He who began a good work actually finished the work in the day of Christ Jesus. So it's a multi-ethnic church, and it's a God-centered church. This is, this is exciting news, friends. This is exciting news. Because the worship of, of the person and work of Jesus does not end when you and me die. So when we see this, that tells us that what we are living for here does not end when you and me die. We actually see Jesus in his full glory. He appears not as the meek and lowly Jesus he first came. But we see him in his full glory. Revelation 1, 12 to 16. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands was like one like a son of man, John says. Clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet. And girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were white like white wool. Like snow and his eyes were like a flame of fire. And his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been caused to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Now you see Jesus in his full glory. There's no more time to repent there. That ends when you die. So in conclusion... In one way, what we see happening here is an application of Revelation chapter 7. Like, like, like we believe that heaven is so real that we are willing to intentionally gather with brothers and sisters who are different from, from, from our culture. We're willing to gather together with brothers and sisters who are different from, from, from their language. They come from different nations in order to worship Jesus Christ and live out life together. 
Rooted cannot achieve that vision by themselves. The grace cannot achieve that vision by themselves. Lachbent cannot achieve that vision by themselves. The church in Mamilodi cannot represent the multicolored beauty of the city. Hoping that we could also send out guys to Lodium and Isres and we get a, a different flavor of how heaven's going to look like with those guys there. But together as a union, we can demonstrate a peace of heaven on earth. I don't know about you, but that excites me. <laughs> this is something to be part of. We should record this day today, 50 years from now. Like I was there, you know, when we, we're filling up lofters and everybody's there. Like, no, I, you know, you're just coming in now. I, I started uh, getting all excited. Come down. Like. <laughs> I want to be part of something like that. I want to be part of something bigger than my own familiar world. Something eternal, something real. Something that glorifies God. And so, and so don't look to the political analyst or the financial expert for comfort or security. The God we serve has a plan. And you and me are actually in the middle of that plan. What you read, what you hear outside of these walls is nothing compared to what's happening within these walls right here. Let's pray. And so Lord, we are so thankful for you that you are who you say you are. You're not a a scam. You're not lying to us. We actually get to see that when you came here on earth and you lived a perfect life and you died for us and you told us about your plan, that you actually get to finish it. You pull it off. And you are able to purchase men and women from every tribe and every language. Something that the world cannot do. But you manage to do it. So we look at you and we say, Lord Jesus, may you receive all the glory. May you receive all the honor, all the praise, all the adoration for that. Thank you. Thank you for that vision. Thank you, God, that you have a plan. We're not left by ourselves trying to figure out how we're going to make it, but we can be part of something greater, something that is bigger than all of us. And I pray that you help us to live it out, not just within these walls, but to actually show it out even in how we live in our daily lives. Amen.